How many times do I have to explain this to you? I don't know. Uh, I did bring something for show and tell, though. Aww. <laughs> On a podcast. <laughs> I hate that rhyme. I'm ready for this. I'm feeling, I'm feeling the fall. I ate a bunch of nutmeg. Just like just I'm roll. Yeah, how do you guys eat it? Every time September rolls around, I'm just like, yeah, that's it. It's Halloween time. And I start binging Halloween movies. I start getting myself ready for Halloween. I know September? that I've got like, yeah, I keep it spooky all year long. But like appropriately, as the rest of the world would deem, I start in September. I start, I, there's no, there is no cutoff point, so it's all year round. But I expect other people to half, like, at least in September. But, like, you know how there's that, like, feeling that comes with the fall, like, the actual fall, where certain things, it doesn't feel right to do them at a different time. We'll watch horror all year round, but there are some movies that just feel right to watch around this type of year, and I, I would feel... Like, uh, I'm robbing myself of some sort of, like, experience by watching them out of season. Like, Trick or Treat doesn't carry as much weight, like, if I watched it in, like, April. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think it's just the fact that it embodies the autumn so well. Like, it doesn't feel right to watch it at any other time. You get that soft orange glow, and it's like, okay, like, if I look outside, it looks like this right now. Maybe for you guys, but our weather is pretty, like, consistently rainy and grey, and it doesn't really go orange like it does there, so maybe that's why I don't feel like there's a certain time of year that it's wrong to watch Halloween movies. I guess, but you just have the the perfect setting to watch every other horror movie. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, for (laughs) real, the goth scene was invented in England. Well, obviously, because it's just, like, foggy London. And it is foggy a lot of the time. It's foggy right now. I feel like once the fall comes, the rest of the world kind of joins in and celebrates with us. And I appreciate that because you start to see like who in your friend circle is maybe spookier than they come off. Like who's seen these horror movies or like who you can introduce to a new horror movie at this time as well. Because people are more open to it. People want to be scared. They want to celebrate that sensation. Yeah, I suppose it is like important for spooky people like us to remember that the average person just likes feeling spooky one month of the year. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I think like this year specifically, I feel like everybody could use it. Just like a big sort of communal feeling where we've all been very low for so long. Just like being able to celebrate the joy of fall together through some traditions and some horror movies is like the pick-me-up we kind of need and it's something that you can do across a social distance and still you know fully enjoy like i'm i'll see you at the end of the corn maze man don't come near me because i don't need your help 
Yeah, yeah, socially distant, virtually, everybody gets to celebrate by just hanging out and watching movies. And if that's enough to bring people into the feeling of the fall, that's perfect. You can curl up with a nice cup of hot cider, watch something spooky, and spend some time with your friends. It truly is the most wonderful time of the year. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Hauntsville Cryptcast, special fall edition. I'm Doza. I'm Anthony. I'm Anna. And boy, are we happy to be here with you sharing this season. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. This is why I usually <laughs> let you do it, Anthony. We just, we talked for like 10 minutes and didn't say our names. <laughs> oh boy, so where do you guys want to start? I, I watched so many movies just like uh, after work all week, just like gearing up for this. I, uh, I tried to step it up by watching a new film because I never do that. Like as in new to you or no? As in like a film that was made in like in the last wait, ten wait, years. When was it? <gasps> Look at you! A film uh, that was made <laughs> last year. No way! I know. I was so proud of myself. What is it? But it was really bad. So it, <laughs> it kind of <laughs> proved my point about modern horror. So yay! It was called Trick. It's oh, on Netflix I'm so at the moment. Sorry. Yeah, it looked really bad. To be fair, from like just the image and the little synopsis that was given on Netflix. So I thought, do you know what? I'll give it the benefit of the doubt and I'll try and watch it. Maybe they just used a bad image and bad text. Trick is, for all intents and purposes, a well-enough-made independent Halloween film. Completely. It wasn't wasn't terrible. It was just... And to be fair, to give it its due, there were some really redeeming things. Those redeeming things only being the props. So Mm, there's this really cool knife. The cop kill? Is real good. Oh yeah, no, that's true as well. Yes, yeah, so some good, good kills. They have some really cool props. So like, they, he has this knife that has like it just has trick. No, not trick. Treat carved into it with a little pumpkin. <laughs> but it's the coolest looking knife ever. And he sort of uses it like a spin the bottle, which I just thought was really cool. Like just spin it, see who it lands on, kill. And it also has a really cool mask. I was gonna say the mask is actually a really yeah. good redeeming factor. So like it had a really promising start. It went straight into the action, um, and I really wasn't expecting it. And I was like, oh cool, like this might be really good. And he just yeah, there's this like pumpkin mask that he wears, and it's really well crafted anyway. And I thought that's a really cool mask. And then when he sort of like flips. He turns it around, and there's another pumpkin face, but, like, frowny on the other side. And I just thought that was really cool. But annoyingly, like, then has a different mask every time that they kill, and they just get worse and worse. It takes a real quick turn from being, like, strong opening. Pretty mm. pretty innovative. Uh, everything that we had just mentioned is basically the opening. Then apart from the the one kill that I had mentioned, which was, like, pretty clever it takes a quick turn for just being a michael myers knockoff oh completely the the whole like silence near comatose and being just this shape of evil which i think they even use the exact shape of evil quote yeah they like play on the fact that they're like oh he's not human and like they even shoot him like a lot and they're like no i shot him he can't survive and i was like come on man i don't know it's it was interesting because it was done from like the cop's perspective rather than just like sticking on the victims and the killer and stuff it was from like the cop who's like taking the sort of like loomis role i guess literally yeah played by omar epps who does a fantastic job though it was very good it's just unfortunately like dialogue wise it 
just he was kind of not given a good script. <laughs> it was directed by uh, Patrick Lucia, who did Dracula Two Thousand and a few episodes of Scream, oh. the TV show. Um, and it's which but, season? I have no idea. I haven't actually watched. Okay, because the, Scream the only one that matters is the last one. Okay, after VH One took over. But the co-writer was Todd Farmer, who did Jason X and My Bloody Valentine. Which my bloody Valentine. The two thousand and nine was. Uh, he wrote that and he wrote Jason X. So like not not redeeming films, but you know they obviously are experienced in horror. It wasn't like one of these indie filmmakers or like Hollywood filmmakers being like, "Hey, I'm just gonna give horror a go because it looks easy." Because that's usually where you get shit films from. So like they had really redeeming elements. It just was so dull. Yeah, it was just like a really dull version of Halloween in the end. So it was disappointing, but it wasn't, like, all terrible. Well, it felt to me like they, they wrote the kills ahead of time, and then were just, like, the plot in between. They were just trying to, like, fill in the gaps and bide time into, like, the next kill. And to, to put things into oh, a grander perspective, Jamie Kennedy is the star of this movie, so I think it got out the door on, on a weak leg and then just didn't have another backup to stand on after that. It kind of felt like... The whole movie could have ended about half an hour in, and I would have been like, that was a cool short movie. And then it just kind of kept going. Yeah, put um, it in a com- uh, an anthology or something. Yeah. Not every good idea is meant to be a full-length film. If you have to force it and, like, put in filler just to make it... It's the same as, like, writing. If you're writing a book and you're like, uh, I'm literally just filling space now just to try and make it into a novel then just make it into a short film like short piece like nothing wrong with that that was that was my experience of watching a, a new film so that was i'm sorry that happened to you that's okay i tried to redeem it afterwards by watching a, a 90s film linear quigley in it and i thought i can't go wrong this is a linear quigley film i haven't seen and it's a halloween film and it's from the 90s so it has to be good and unfortunately it was worse um oh, no <laughs> what was you it? i also it saw was, one with linear quigley <laughs> There's, there's quite a few Halloween movies with Linnea Copley in them. This one was called Jacko from 1995. <laughs> it has, so John Carradine is technically in it, but... Okay, so he was supposed to be doing a cameo in it, but he died just before they went into production. And so they just badly spliced in some footage of John Carradine into the movie to make oh, it look no. like he was in it. <laughs> And it was really bad. It was on par with The Room, but not as entertaining. Like, as in acting-wise. I mean, it had the same sort of, like, accidental comedy in it that they definitely didn't mean to be funny, but it was, like, so bad that, like, there was elements of funny, but not enough to be like, oh, this is a classic, I'm gonna watch it with my friends because it's so bad, it's good. So yeah, unfortunately, I found the only Linear Quigley movie so far that I did not enjoy, but... Then again, she has been in one of the greatest Halloween horror films that we have. Which one? Night of the Demons. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Had to lead, lead from the negative into the, the super awesome. Night of the Demons, 1988. It's just like this awesome Halloween party. And then everyone gets possessed and starts attacking each other. And it's just this big ball of 80s cheese. It's very Evil Dead-esque. It's just so much fun. It's like Return of the Living Dead fun. That seems to be like her wheelhouse of like her best successes in like 
sort of funny, cheesy 80s films. And it this really captures the Halloween feel of like, it's got everything you want. There's a party. There's a seance that they're not supposed to be doing in a graveyard near a, a haunted house in a mortuary. And it's just like, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, everything? Like, I remember doing dumb shit like that when I was in high school. It seems like what would be like the quintessential American teenage happenstance, I guess. Yeah, they sort of captured that feel. It just like it it felt familiar. <laughs> I think a big factor in what separates these quintessential Halloween films, uh, what sets them apart from a regular horror film, isn't just that they take place on Halloween, but like Dozy, you're saying there's that nostalgic element. Everybody has these Halloween experiences growing up, good and bad. It captures that back to school vibe. It captures, you know, you get the Halloween dance, the Halloween party. There's still something big that people are looking forward to. You get the trick-or-treating. There needs to be an element of fun, I think. It's why we get so many great Halloween specials from, like, TV shows or just one-off Halloween movies that aren't necessarily horror films. I mean, I think Ray Bradbury captures Halloween better than any writer in film and literature ever has and i know every year i go back and rewatch the halloween tree i thought you were gonna say fahrenheit 451 (laughs) (laughs) no that's where he captured 2020 (laughs) i mean i only watched halloween tree for the first time was it two years ago because i'd never heard of it and i'd never actually heard of ray bradbury um it turns out it's very difficult to get his books over here that's Um, so unfortunate and halloween tree wasn't released here which is why I'd never heard of it. Then again, like, even classic stuff to you guys, like The Great Pumpkin, we didn't get here. I only watched that, what, like a year or two ago as well. So, I mean, Halloween is obviously a lot of a bigger deal over there in America than it is here in England. So, we, yeah, we missed out on a lot of classic Halloween family-friendly films here. It's so weird that you guys don't have Halloween the way that we have it. Because, like, you guys are closer to the source of a lot of the roots of, like, Samhain, the Celtic holiday. But even, like, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, there's so much emphasis on Stonehenge, which is Mm -hmm. your neck of the woods. And yet... The problem is that England tends to take itself way too seriously. And a lot of people here don't tend to carry their heritage with them. So a lot of people don't even know, like, the roots of Samhain or why Halloween's celebrated. They think of it as an American holiday because of the commercialism behind, like, trick-or-treating and stuff like that. Like, I've never been trick-or-treating in my life because it was, like, considered rude as a kid. I mean, I get why it's considered rude. And, like, especially here, like, like, I remember saying that I thought it might be mean for, like, older people who are scared of, like, these people in masks like knocking on their door and stuff and not knowing when they live on their own so i get why it's considered rude here but i also feel like i missed out on all of those like halloween classic things that you're supposed to do as a kid and a teenager and i only watched them through american films i just put such a dampener on this episode i'm so sorry No, that's good. That opens up an opportunity for me to talk about The Boys in the Trees, which is the saddest movie I've ever seen. Oh my god. That is, since it came out, 
it has made it to my list of a tradition every year. It's beautiful. It captures Halloween so well, but it is so sad. It's it's more of a drama than than a horror even at all. But like that is that captures like the the hol- the Halloween blues being alone and sad are around while like the the seasons are changing and your life is changing around it and then you have to go back to school on Monday. Man. But it follows uh the these two boys as they sort of walk home through the woods on on Halloween and they're just sort of reminisce which is strange because they're very young i don't know what much they have to reminisce about well i mean even like you said like your life is changing around you the two of them were best friends when they were really little and they just drifted apart so now on this halloween night which focuses more on trick than treat they experience the strangeness and the quote-unquote magic of halloween where anything is possible in the worlds of the living and the dead merge and you have them taking this moment to just talk about how much life has changed and whether or not things will be the same when they go back. For sure. It, it's very beautiful and it gets incredibly deep. There's an aspect because uh, one of the the kids is Hispanic, I, I believe, and they're having like a, a sort of traditional ceremony. I think they're doing like a Dia de los Muertos thing. Yep. And it's just... The, that entire scene, it's just a shift from the darkness that they've been traveling through to a celebration of light and life. And it was just like, it was so beautiful. I got chills. That's, that's Halloween. Just like the, the experience, that feeling that you get. I'm going to cry <laughs> talking about Halloween. <laughs> it is incredibly depressing. But like, as you said, it's so beautiful. It just, it's almost, a sense of sadness that like feels nice and warm it it's does like, yeah. what halloween is meant to do it takes the commercialized elements of it we have trick-or-treating we have ghost stories we have a graveyard party in the beginning and it, it, there's just there's the back to school element there's all these traditional halloween elements of the the commercialized side of things at the end of it it is a celebration of life and death and passing And that's what Halloween is here to do. It's here to bridge that gap. It's for us to reminisce about those who can't be celebrating with us. And Halloween, Dia de los Muertos, trick-or-treating, leaving out offerings so that the spirits who do cross into this world can find their way and celebrate life once more. So we should always be celebrating even in the darker times. Thanks, man. And for those of you out there listening, we're we're right there with you. We're holding your little hand, putting a fun size, you know, you know what, full size Snickers in your trick or treat bags this year. <laughs> Unless you're allergic to peanuts, then you can get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All I got is Snickers. All right, see ya. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> That's been getting to me so much lately because I know the tradition of trick or treating has dwindled over the years. And it's transitioned into things like safe space trick-or-treating, where like shops and malls will do a a low-key trick-or-treat for the younger kids. And now they've started doing things like trunk-or-treats, where people will go to an open public area, decorate their cars, and fill their trunks with candy. Which to me is more suspicious than regular trick-or-treating, but fucking whatever. 
Yeah, you got the good stuff is all the way at that's the bottom the make, of the trunk. That's there. the making of a horror film. Why is no one get done in my that? car full of candy, yeah. stranger? But this year, everyone is being given conflicted information. Uh, we were told here in New York that the governor will not be banning trick or treating, but the CDC does not feel that trick or treating is the right thing to do during this time. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Obviously, you know you're taking your life into your hands no matter what you do. But this isn't going anywhere anytime soon. And there's going to be a generation of kids who like this is their Halloween experience. Everything is virtual now. Trick or treating is probably going to be a thing of the past. This is probably the final nail in the coffin. Well, it'll change and grow and adapt. Halloween will always find a way. I like your idea of doing the um, the shoot from the tube. Yeah, the tube. (laughs) I love the tube. Uh, I think that's a great way to do it, but you're going to come across people who are not comfortable being out. So, I mean, we already in recent years, at least in my neighborhood, I haven't seen too many kids out trick-or-treating. I end up eating more of the candy than I end up handing out. So now that we're in the middle of a pandemic, I I don't know what that crowd's going to look like. I think as long as, I mean, there are careful, safe ways around it. Especially during the holiday where wearing a mask is normal. Yeah, exactly. Ah. People have no excuse around (laughs) Halloween. Like, make it part of your costume. Whatever you're doing, make it part of your costume. There is a way. If you're going to be out and in a public place, I don't care if it doesn't go with your costume, still wear a mask. Anyone who's against masks shouldn't be listening to us. I want to go as the 12-foot skeleton for Halloween. Oh my god. Oh my god. They're renovating my house from like top to bottom. So I, I'm trying to convince my parents to go for the 12-foot skeleton. My my idea is we get the 12-foot skeleton and we set it up to make it look like it's destroying the house. I'll throw in on that. <laughs> Holy shit. But that's another reason why I'm going to be doing the candy shoots this year. Uh, but rather than just like me being on the other end, handing candy down a chute entirely removing the middleman and i'm gonna load the the chute up with candy from top to bottom and put a little skull at the end so when you open the mouth the treats just come out so there's no interaction i'm probably not going to be there so at least this candy station will be set up oh i could probably rig you up something real fun let's do it we got to keep fun in halloween i will do anything to make sure people are celebrating so i also uh, i found like a bunch of the stuff that I was watching ended up being anthology films. And like, I feel no, nobody does it better than trick or treat. No, but, but also uh, welcome to the trick or treat cinematic universe where uh, there's trick, trick or treat, trick or treats, trick or treat. It's too many of them. No. And only one of them is good. <laughs> but... Trick or treat. Isn't that bad? As in like the, the metal one. Sorry, I just remembered what that movie is. I haven't watched it in forever, but that's like where yeah, with Gene Simmons and Ozzy. Oh no, yeah, like doesn't it's like the guitarist or something from a band dies and then gets resurrected. I can't remember what else happens. I remember that being fun. It it was for a little while, but it's like really long <laughs> with a bunch of nothing happening for a while. That's trick or treat. Yeah, but it's got like I said, it's got Gene Simmons and Ozzy in it and. Oh, the soundtrack is pretty dope. That oh, was yeah. like the one That's what I the one thing I remember. Yeah. The, it's by a band called Fastway, which I, I had never heard of. The bassist of Motorhead started this band, I believe. So like the soundtrack fucking rips. 
Uh, that was that was the one thing that really stuck out to me. I can't like you. I can't remember anything else that happened. Yeah, those were referred to it as the metal one. I was like, I, I remember the the songs more than I remember That's the it. story. Yep. <laughs> the only thing I've seen is Trick and Trick or Treat, the Michael Doherty <laughs> masterpiece. I mean, after you've watched Trick or Treat, um, I'm just gonna say Trick or Treat because we know what I'm talking about. Yeah, then the good one. It's hard to find any movie that encapsulates every single essence of Halloween in both a commercial, traditional, and just all around like autumnal feel. There is every element in that film. Absolutely. Like that's what I was I was trying to build to. Like I just like no no one does it better. It it just seems to like everybody wants to make a, a Halloween film, like film about Halloween, but it's just like they they nailed it. I watched uh ten thirty one I wanted to watch that. Uh, Rebel Flesh did a song for the soundtrack. It's um some of some of the shorts are really fun. Some of them are really spooky. But I think they they started on a weak one. I think the the second one from the end also wasn't that great. So it just like it has sounded like an up and down. But the the horror aspects real punchy, real quick, and the poster also looks awesome. I fucking want it. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll drop it in the chat, and if you haven't seen it, that's part of what I like about anthologies, though, because if something isn't your cup of tea, something else is coming. But then, like back to Michael Doherty, it's so hard to tie all the anthology pieces together in a way that works and it is cohesive. And Trick or Treat is just effortless. All of these stories take place on the same night. They weave together seamlessly. And I mean, he captures the spirit of the season, literally, because Sam embodies everything that Halloween is. And he takes it a step further. I don't know if you guys have read uh, Trick or Treat Days of the Dead, his graphic novel. It's technically a prequel to Trick or Treat because it takes place like it's Sam's journey throughout history as Halloween has evolved. It's basically Michael Doherty's Halloween tree. He goes to Aww. all these different time periods, different locations, and you see how these people celebrate their autumn rites and stuff. And it's Sam's influence and how Sam's sort of code has come to be as well. That sounds awesome. I think the thing that makes Trick or Treat so perfect as a Halloween movie is the fact that Mike Doherty is obviously such a huge Halloween person. Like, he is an October person. Everything that he experienced growing up or wished would happen growing up or, like, everything he lived for was obviously around October and autumn. And I think because of his passion for the subject, that's what makes it so perfect. Because when you're really, like, into the idea of what you're putting into a film, then it shows so much. Which is like what I was saying before when like these Hollywood directors are like, oh, I'm just going to take a stab at a horror film. And that compared to like even the filmmakers that we get submitting to our festival, where it's like, oh, this is my first film or my second film, but I love horror so much that it shows more in my film and that makes it better than anything that Hollywood can chuck out there. We also get original storylines, thank God. Oh my God, we see more original stories than are released all year just in getting our submissions to the festival we're very lucky with with the filmmakers that we get in our festival because they're the people who deserve the budgets that these hollywood movies get i mean the best films that i have seen this year have been from our festival submissions yeah i i really can't wait and yo if any of you out there are 
submitting to our festival or even interested in submitting in the future, we'd be happy to have you. It's the my favorite part uh, of doing this is is running the festival and watching these awesome, awesome films. There's one more thing I want to say about Trick or Treat. One thing that relates Trick or Treat back to our festival as well is that it never got a theatrical release. It just ran... Is that true? Yeah, it ran the theater circuit, the uh, festival circuit, and it went straight to uh, home release. That's one of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Right? But yeah, there's there's a major difference in watching A Labor of Love compared to Hollywood hash and rehash. The only other anthology that I really put up there close to Trick or Treat is Tales of Halloween. It's a fun ride and it's got a lot of star cameos and it's all people who you know live for the horror genre, live for Halloween. Matthew Lillard makes an appearance and I remember when Anna and I were watching it, we were like, oh, oh, and then as soon as we (laughs) saw him, he was gone. What a guy. People like that who make horror and Halloween like this whole community a community. It's open to everyone. I mean, Scooby-Doo is some people's first foray into horror and Halloween. And it's one of those things that goes the extra mile every year. We get some kind of Scooby-Doo special. We get some kind of like Scooby-Doo will do what it takes to keep Halloween and horror in people's minds. I'm gonna cry again. <laughs> the The trouble that I, I find with a lot of the anthology films is that like, when they bring in different directors and writers for each of the segments, it feels sort of disjointed. Yeah, no style match. It doesn't yeah. tie everything together. Exactly. And like that's where like having Michael Doherty just like, you know, this is this is my my anthology, this is the way that we're doing it, and having the wraparound story encompassed into all of the shorts, like it's it's that much better. I found a lot of that in All Hallows Eve. The technical prequel to Terrifier. Yeah, it's the, no. all the shorts have Art the Clown. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't Hard impressed pass. with that. Okay, Damien Leone was the director, and he's got such a, a passion for, for Halloween and for horror, but just, like, couldn't translate it well onto the screen. And, like, it was, he was trying so, so hard, and it almost <laughs> makes up for the lack of production value. <laughs> I think that was the thing. It was messy. You, you could tell that, like, it was something he really wanted to do. It just didn't work. Which is why I'm glad that they had Terrifier. See, I admire him as a filmmaker because he clearly knows what he wants. And he's just been trying to push it out. And it's like you were saying, Anna, where, like, not everything is meant to be a feature-length idea. But, I mean, Art the Clown appears in his short film Ninth Circle. Then appears again in All Hallows' Eve. And then finally we get Terrifier. There is an All Hallows' Eve 2. Nothing to do with art. Anthology series, again. But now we're getting a Terrifier 2. So, like, clearly art was the big piece of what he wanted to accomplish. And then these other ideas from All Hallows' Eve, they kind of made their way into Terrifier. And it's like, he's honing in on what this film needs to be for him to be completely satisfied. So, like... As much as I didn't love All Hallows' Eve, I'll watch it. I'll watch the Art the Clown chronology, and it just furthered from Ninth Circle to Terrifier. His demonic background is fantastic. But I, I think the best thing about Art is just... I mean, it, he's a great concept as a character, but I think the way that David uh, Howard Thornton plays him is just so... It's so eerie. 
and it makes you feel really uncomfortable. And I've said before, like the the thing that I actually get scared about when I watch a horror film because it's so hard for me to get scared of horror films is when they have a character that makes me feel physically uncomfortable. He didn't make me feel uncomfortable in All Hallows Eve because he wasn't so really here's the around thing. enough. It's not him. Is that why? Yeah. They are the <laughs> oh, see, that's... by three different people. That shows um, you then. And David is who we have to stick with because I say it all the time. Creepy clown is never done right. Mm. It's so easy to do it wrong. Completely. And he perfectly blends mime, clown, and demon. He does all the, the mime over the top movement. He has all the fun of a clown. And he's just so sadistic that it's uncomfortable to watch him interact with the real world. Completely. I mean, the, that that explains and it goes to show how important it is that it's not just the aesthetic and that you can't just slap art's makeup on anyone and have the same essence. Your actor has to bring that character to life. He obviously cares so much for what he does. I love his Instagram. Same. Like, he's so invested in this character, but not to like a point where he's just like, I'm art and nothing else. It's just like, I so much appreciate this and I appreciate this opportunity I've been given and here is my love for it. Um, and that's so much what I appreciate and why it still annoys me that I don't like All Hallows Eve as much because I'm just like, I know where you were going, buddy, keep going. And then Terrifier, and I was like, yes, thank you. Because <laughs> it, it made me Terrifier feel so uncomfortable. manages to bring something new to the genre, which was nice. And as you said, like, Scary Clown, we, we've had, there is a whole subgenre of Scary Clowns. And I've never, ever been even slightly disturbed or like, scared of a clown in in a horror film i have in real life there was an incident but <laughs> oh God. you can't just say there was an incident and then bypass it okay so this clown at my brother's birthday party when i was a little kid was it my brother's birthday party or my brother's friend's birthday party someone's birthday party there was this clown and he squirted washing up liquid into my eye because he was using it for bubbles or something but he squirted it in my eye and then found that hilarious, even though I was screaming in pain. And then afterwards put a pie in my face when I came back, while I was still crying. Hey, I'm I'm a six-year-old child. Really? That that guy had, like, some issues. I feel like Art was the only clown that I've ever seen where I was like, I'm genuinely very scared of you, but I want to see more of you because you're so interesting. I can only relate him in, like, and this is, like, a huge compliment to the porcelain girl from House October, but on scare level of uncomfortability and characters that I've genuinely been like, okay, I don't know whether to look or whether to carry on watching. Art's definitely up there. The fucking clown in um, oh god, what's the Toby Hooper movie? The the girl. You just moved the headstones. Poltergeist. Thank you. Fuck that. <laughs> that. Oh, I thought it was gonna explode. That is the only clown outside of Terrify, or fuck, outside of Art the Clown that ever scared me. I've always wanted one. <laughs> yeah, same. You guys are disgusting. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I think I actually might have asked for one at some point. Is it just me, or have people only just suddenly discovered Trick or Treat in the last two years? Because I suddenly feel like everyone is getting merchandise, 
I know Spirit of Halloween over there is doing merchandise the last two years, so maybe that's why. But it feels like people have only just heard about Trick or Treat in the last two or three years and suddenly started a fandom for it again. Whereas as soon as, actually before it was released, there was a book released about the making of it here. And I'd seen like Season's Greetings, which is the short that Mike Doherty did before, the animated one with Sam in it, on YouTube just before. And I was like, I trust this. And so I bought the huge book, which is I think about £30 at the time. It's it's one of my prized possession books, because now it's super rare and super expensive. And I'm like, yes. But I bought that before I'd even seen the film. And as soon as it came out on DVD, I was like lining up in the morning, wanting to get in there and just buy this DVD. And that was the year it was released here, which was 2009. Yeah, because I think it was made yep. in 2007. And then by the time it had done Festival Circuit and been released here, at least, it was 2009. I don't know why people have only just suddenly started, or is it just me noticing? I have a, I have a speculation. Okay. Is that wh- wh- how I would say that? Yeah. A couple years ago, maybe 2017, added a trick-or-treat scare zone to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal. Right. Yeah, um, I do remember that. So that might have been, like, the jumping off point for people to be like, Hey, this rules. What what is this? But like maybe that's it. Like people are diehards for Halloween horror nights. That might have, you know, opened some people's eyes to it. I don't know. Maybe. I think that's amazing when things like that happen when like the experience comes and then it gets people into it. Like Halloween horror nights has been amazing for that in recent years because they've done so many big haunts like killer clowns from outer space got a huge resurgence after they did their killer clown stuff i've seen videos and pictures from the trick-or-treat segment they did the entire neighborhood and like you've got the bus kids and you're seeing all these characters in your world so you're gonna have questions like where are you from I mean, that makes sense. And that also makes sense to my other thing that I was thinking about, Killer Clowns suddenly becoming popular in the last few years, and I had no idea why everyone was suddenly jumping on the bandwagon. Good, I'm glad these people are being introduced to these films. I mean, That's the magic of October. Yeah, it's crazy how synonymous horror and Halloween have become. I mean, you see, we get all these licensed characters in stores like Spirit Halloween and Party City and... And all of a sudden, you've got all these ghost faces running around. And, you know, these kids, obviously, they're not out there watching Scream. They see the character. They say, this is a scary costume. And then as they get older, pieces start to come together. And they say, oh, yeah, I want to watch Scream. I was ghost face once. (laughs) You know, you pick up a prop chainsaw and you wonder, why is a chainsaw part of Halloween? And then you get into Leatherface. And we've gone past the traditional Halloween costumes of the ghost, the zombie, the vampire. And now it's so hand in hand horror related. And it's almost like, you know, we come into it and we're like, okay, what am I going to be this year from these things that I've watched? You know, I want to go back and do the universal monsters. But, you know, we meet in the middle on Halloween. The younger kids are all like, I want to be this for Halloween and then figure out later where it's from. My brother did that. Literally, he was Ghostface for Halloween one year when he was like maybe seven. And a couple of years later, he was Jason from Jason X. Oh, no, the worst one. Oh, wait, it's not the worst one. I have some honorable mentions and some dishonorable mentions about the way that they did fall and Halloween integration into their films. I think that's another part of the issue, like... There's definitely a saturated market for Halloween movies, especially in the 90s when we were getting so many Halloween specials and one-offs and 
all that. But there are so many that just do Halloween dirty. <laughs> One of the, the worst movies I've seen in a long time was Flesh Eater. It came out in 88. Written, produced, edited, directed, and starring Bill Hinsman, who was the cemetery ghoul in Night of the Living Dead. And he just was trying to, I guess, ride that train forever. <laughs> How have I not heard of this? Because <laughs> it's so bad. Literally, he... He more or less made it by himself with a budget of $60,000. Good for him. Even if it didn't turn out great. Good for it him. It did not. <laughs> <laughs> you might know it uh, as Zombie Nosh or Revenge of the Living Zombies. Rings a bell, but Even definitely fewer haven't bells. seen it. Right, okay. It starts out very, very autumn where there's a bunch of kids on a hayride on Halloween. And I was like, oh, okay, I'm in on this. And then it just kind of goes downhill from, from there. It's just essentially a non-Romero film with Romero-style zombies in it. So some of some of the effects are cool on some of the the zombie gore and stuff, but beyond that, it's it's unremarkable. Uh, Peter Dendel, uh, who is an English professor, described it as mostly a waste of a good barn. <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> they, they they burn uh, a barn as oh, like the, the the climax of the movie, and that he he hits the nail on the head. That was like, yep, it just wasn't anything else beyond that. Glenn Kay, uh, who is an author who wrote zombie movies, The Ultimate Guide says, quote, if the filmmakers didn't care about what they were creating, why should horror fans? Yes. And we need to hold this quote near and dear. Yeah. That book book is also very, very good. Zombie movies, the ultimate guide. It's, it truly is exactly as advertised. And he hit the nail on the head with that. This is not a passion project. This was just somebody with an idea and $60,000 in his back pocket. What a shame. This whole conversation has, like, sent my brain reeling to both a hit and a flop that I watched recently. Ooh. Um, I know what hit you're going to talk about. I don't think you do. Bomb. Hit the... Bo- oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Fuck so you. So, yeah, The Barn. Um, the Barn is amazing. <laughs> I was I was also going to talk about the barn. It is unbelievable. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm so annoyed. It was made like two or three years ago. They did an excellent job capturing the '80s for something produced in the 2010s. Just it's got this Halloween lore of this small town. It has some excellent Halloween spirits with some cool character design, some fun kills, and the only reason I knew about the barn was because Rebel Flesh did. Uh, song on the soundtrack and i'm so grateful for that because the song is awesome they do a cool little interview segment in the film and it just it brought my attention to something i would have otherwise probably missed absolutely the soundtrack in this is one of the shining stars in this movie that is just full of excellent moments like you said it feels like it was filmed in the 80s it's got everything from from the acting down to the dialogue to the way that it was shot. It just is it, like an '80s movie from in 2016, and it originally was based on a a book that uh, Justin M. Seaman, the director, wrote when he was eight. That's oh, amazing! I, I didn't know that. that. I would and kill so, like, to read that, this. I would as well, and that's why. 
I, I think it captures the 80s so well. It's because it's from the the viewpoint of a child of the 80s that just hung on to it and never let go. It's got Linnea, he got Linnea Quigley to be in it, make a, a little cameo. Wait, I didn't uh, know got, that. Yeah. Yep. Oh, there's everything that I need to watch about this film. And I can't find it anywhere here. Uh, I have a copy of it. Okay. Well, next time I'm over there, we will watch we'll, it. We'll watch it. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever um, that will be. It's also got uh, Ari Lehman, who was the who played the kid Jason at the end of the first Friday the 13th. Uh, also does sort of a... Um, who's who's the horror host guy, Bob? Joe Bob Briggs. Joe Bob Briggs. He's he's got he does like a Joe Bob Briggs sort of segment in this movie, and it's it's great. It's just that's another person who just like had a bit part and hung on to it forever. He's even in a band I called I think the first Jason. I was gonna say, is this the Jason oh. who has the Jason's band? That's that's him. And they all they, dress they, like Jason. Yeah, and 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 they got him just to be in this movie. Even down to the the supplementary materials for this. They have 80s style action figures. They have uh, a vinyl pressing of the soundtrack. They yeah. do. They got posters you, and rubber masks of the the three ghouls. You could do a cassette ju- score as well. Yeah, if they you can get a, a VHS copy of this. It's this is the way to do to do a movie when you when you when you are clearly passionate about it, and it is top to bottom. Just a, a Halloween and autumn film. Indie produced Passion Project, and they went exactly this hard in the fundraising for the second one, which is coming out in 2021. Speaking of Joe Bob Briggs, Justin Seaman, who was the director and writer of uh, The Barn, is working on, I don't know if it's done yet, a film called Cryptids, oh. which is coming out and starring Joe Bob Briggs. That's huh. so dope. On the on the poster, it's got Mothman and Sasquatch, the Boggy Creek monster. I'll I'll drop this one in the chat as well. So if we can get like the same vibe as the barn with something like this, I might finally have my cryptid movie that I've been waiting forever for. That would be amazing. I think it's in good hands. Uh, I guess I'll close my tab on the barn. I'm so glad you brought it up. This movie is very good. I can't believe you pegged me on the fact that I was going to talk about the barn. As soon as well, the as last soon thing as you I said, said was barn, the barn. I was like, "Oh, Anthony's going to talk about the barn." <laughs> okay, so then you probably also know my flop. You and I watched it together, and we were hoping for the best for it, but Candy Corn. Oh God, I forgot that that existed. It did a beautiful job capturing a classic autumn Halloween. The set is littered with Beasel decorations, which is a quick and easy way to my heart. The plot is really good. It's really interesting. But the execution was just, it wasn't there. There were some really interesting character concepts that were half fleshed out. Certain things that I I felt like didn't come to any kind of satisfying conclusion, but it had it had some nice concepts, some nice lore, some nice characters, and I really wanted more for this because Tony Todd executive produced it, has a cameo in it. They it's another you know for all intents and purposes it's mostly independently produced. They went super hard on the funding, and there's a trick or treat bucket that the main character carries. That great design. Is also a um, mass-marketed prop that they use to raise funds. I just wanted more for it. Yeah, I was just really disappointed, and that's why I got angry at it. It it wasn't that it was, like, the worst film ever. It was just so... There was so much potential. 
as soon as we finished watching it, I was like, I need a remake of this film. And I hate it when that <laughs> happens because it's so rare that a movie has so much potential but just didn't do it right that I'm just like immediately, please remake this. And it's sad because we need more films that are made by Halloween lovers. And it obviously was. You could tell from like... Yeah, the heart is the set all there. And yeah, completely. And I love Tony Todd, but I feel like with that much involvement in the film, why didn't he give himself a more interesting and full-bodied character? I'm completely... kind of glad that he didn't. I like the cameo element. I like that he's not like a I'm gonna change your story kind of producer. No, I completely get that. Like, I get that he didn't want to take over with this big powerful character or anything. And like, but it, it was so muted down that I felt like it wasn't making much of a difference. I was just happy to see him, but I wasn't like happy with the character. I was like hey, come on, speak, do something, like... I mean, I think that's the point of a good cameo, because even our Matthew Lillard in... Um, but he wasn't Tales a cameo. He was a consistent take. character the whole way through the film, so it's not a cameo. I guess. He was a character that was there at the beginning and was there at the end, um, had involvement in the story, so he was a character. And it felt like he was just doing a cameo, even though he was in every scene, single scene. It almost felt like... A really good episode of American Horror Story. They also came super close to absolutely nailing like something's wrong with the sideshow element because everything that they did with their sort of ringmaster and the uh, other carnies and the final culmination in the sort of big top area was fantastic. And I was like, it didn't quite reach something wicked this way comes. Thank you again, Ray Bradbury. But it was like on that level of the Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot. Yes. Okay. And it wasn't Freaks. Every Everything that's set in a circus, I just compared to Freaks. And so <laughs> I'm a little bit biased. But I think that's also, not the circus itself, another staple of fall. At least here, we always have the like, like in the uh, Halloween specials, there's always like the fall dance or whatever. It's a big community gathering where like, you know, traditionally, it would have been to celebrate a harvest. So the community gets together and you know, there's like a big harvest party. But we still have these autumn fairs. And they have that near sideshow element to them. The Long Island Fair has always been my like kickoff from summer into fall. And that didn't happen this year. But you know, the, the community and harvest element of Halloween still being present in present day is another one of the things that I love about a good Halloween film. You have a diverse cast of characters. You have usually, the barn does this really well, something kind of seedy happening beneath the surface of the town, not just the characters. I think it's the reason why people love Hocus Pocus so much. You know, you have the Sanderson sisters, but there's so much lore to them that creates the lore of the town the party sequence is that much more important because we know the characters at the party we know why everybody's getting together we know why this town celebrates and fears them what are some of your guys like favorite halloween traditions i mean most of mine kind of is exist over with you because things like pumpkin picking and apple picking and apple cider which doesn't exist here it's only apple, like alcoholic apple, apple cider. I was trying to ex explain what normal apple cider is the other day to my parents, and they just like, 
well, yeah, but we have apple cider. I was like, yeah, but it's alcoholic. And they were like, what did, why, why is that? Is there just orange, like apple juice? And I was like, no, but it's not apple juice. We made that mistake There's the first time. There's special that... about a hot cup of apple cider. Yeah. And the first time that I had hot apple cider was over by you. And we went on a hayride. And we met Otto, who's the ghost, what is it, Hicks, Hicks Nurseries? Nurseries. Out by you. We went pumpkin picking. I watched Charlie Brown for the first time. I watched Halloween Tree for the first time had those halloween sugar cookies that you guys get with like the pumpkins in that you just chuck in the oven uh these are all very new experiences for me so everything that you guys take for granted as halloween traditions are like the most incredible thing in the world to me and i explain this to people here and everyone's like that sounds amazing yeah thank you for letting me live the american childhood in my 30s Next time we're taking you trick-or-treating. Man, I suck. I don't think I have any traditions. What do I do every year? Spend it with me. All right. (laughs) Oh, every year on or around Halloween, I have like three days straight that I just spend with Anthony. And I used to drink until I got sick. And then I quit drinking altogether. Uh, But now I just have fun. I wear a costume and I hang out with my friends. I just like any other excuse to to hang out with everybody i just like to sit and watch movies i like putting on silly costumes i don't even want to go to a party anymore i just want to watch a movie this year we have no choice so that's good yay (laughs) i win i've defeated (laughs) halloween no i also like i love the 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 cliche stuff i love going apple picking and then forgetting that i picked apples and (laughs) letting them go bad but i just like being outside I like watching the the wind blow through orange and red leaves. I don't know, even Doze, the way that you're describing Halloween and autumn, like, I, I've started rereading Ray Bradbury's October Country. Even from the opening forward, it just immediately puts you in that autumn feeling. How long is it? Can you read it to us? Uh, yeah, Doze, why don't you? I don't have it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, I, I have it. Do you want to read it out? Literally right here. We, we within arm's reach. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you didn't even move. You barely turned around. You just kind of reached behind you and <laughs> pulled it back. I knew where it was. Is the forward of October Country also in Halloween Tree? I thought that's what you. I thought that's what you were reading from Halloween Tree. No, October oh, Country. Oh, I don't have I don't have October Country. Anyone want to hear about Rosemary's Baby? I can reach that too. <laughs> no, thank you. So everybody out there listening, pour yourself a nice steaming cup of cider, swallow a pumpkin hole, or whatever it is people normally do around this time of year, and uh, listen to the foreword of October Country by Ray Bradbury. That country where it is always turning late in the year. That country where the hills are fog and the rivers are mist where noons go quickly, dusks and twilights linger, and midnights stay. That country composed in the main of cellars, subcellars, coal bins, closets, attics, and pantries faced away from the sun. That country whose people are autumn people, thinking only autumn thoughts, whose people passing at night on the empty walks sound like rain. See, little things like that, like, make the season for me. It's the things that you do to get yourself in the mindset, get yourself in the spirit of it. Even just piggybacking off of October Country, 
The Long Lost do an incredible song called October Country, which embodies Ray Bradbury's message throughout. The story is listed in October Country. They're a great band to get you into the spooky season spirit. Do you guys remember your first Halloween costume? I remember what it was. I don't remember wearing it. Wait, like like that I chose myself or that I ever wore? Ooh. Because I was a pumpkin. <laughs> I, like, I still am. I have the shape. Once a pumpkin, always a pumpkin here in the Mendoza household. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do a party where the theme is first Halloween costumes. You're going to see my, a lot of my legs. <laughs> I think my first Halloween costume, I was literally like a tiny baby. That's not a costume. <laughs> I was a tiny baby, but weirdly, because knowing my heritage, this makes it even weirder, but my parents dressed up as French people for Halloween. And like, they just <laughs> Were wore... you a baguette? They, they, were they you were a ca- fucking baguette? No. <laughs> I was just a French baby. I had a like tiny beret <laughs> and a tiny... <laughs> and like... The, like my, I think my mom was wearing like a garlic necklace and my dad was like holding a baguette. But that's really weird. Uh, because... Je suis un bébé. <laughs> Because obviously I'm part French, so like I don't really understand what the idea was. But I think that was my first forced Halloween costume, which wasn't really a Halloween costume. I think like as a little kid, I was like a cat once or twice, and I was definitely Dracula one year, and I was like super extra Dracula. I remember there being an issue because I was a girl dressing as Dracula. Like I'd slicked, I had really long hair as a kid. And I'd slicked it all back and tried to hide it and, like, drawn the V on my head. I think I was about, like, five or six. Full, like, white face and fangs of blood. And, like, obviously all the other kids were just, like, cute cartoon characters or, like, a little witch and stuff. And I was just full on, like, no, I'm Dracula. I was Bret Hart for, for Halloween as well. I think I showed you the picture of that. That that, yeah. I, that was a proud moment. I, I wasn't anything nearly as cool. I was, like, a Power Ranger. Forever. <laughs> I mean, hey, <laughs> your guys' first choice costumes were better than mine. I was that dumb kid who was a ninja for eight years in a row just because I got to have a plastic sword. Aww. I also did ninja once. Once is good. I'm talking like I have years of Halloween photos <laughs> as a ninja. <laughs> what about best Halloween costume? I'm bad at it. Like, every year so far that we've been together, we've been one of the Universal Monsters. Whether they go together or not, they're from the same universe. I like when the mummy and wolfman kissed all night. (laughs) I think, I don't have, like, a best costume, but I think my favorite one where I was just, like, an old-timey burglar. (laughs) Aww. I like, I like stripes. Why do I, you're not supposed to wear, like, horizontal stripes when you're, like, a fat guy, but, like, I was an old-timey burglar, and then I was, like, a circus strongman, horizontal stripes. You're wearing horizontal stripes right now. <laughs> no! <laughs> 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 ah! I don't know what my favorite costume. I think, I think, to be fair, it might have been last year's mummy. So good. Just because it was fun. And plus that dress was so comfortable. You got to be the mummy and Anthony got to be the daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking, last year's Wolfman was too much fur. I was like shirtless by the end of the night, picking the hair off. You kept the claws on for about five minutes and you were like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) You were like Wolfman halfway in between, which was kind of cool by the end. Wolfman's up there for, like, one of my, like, better done costumes, but I don't think it was one of my favorite for that exact reason. (laughs) 
I think my Ash cosplay is probably one of my favorite things. I don't know if I've ever worn it for Halloween, but it's a damn good costume. It's very, very good. I'm proud of you. I think that's probably my favorite. And like, I built the chainsaw and that was all fun and games until Anna, you got me the ashy slashy puppet. And I'm like, this is so much better. I can actually function (laughs) instead of lugging around this milk jug plywood chainsaw. Uh, One year I was Paul Bearer. Amazing. The wrestling manager. And Kevin Kusky was the only one that knew. (laughs) He pointed at me and he was like, Paul Bear, nice. And I was like, thanks, man. Yeah, I think I think we're in we're in a good spot. Alright, so do you guys want your fear of the day? I do. Kinemortophobia. Kinemortophobia. No. Is it fear of corn? No. Oh. Uh, I'll give you guys a hint. No, wait. I'll let me guess first. Okay. And then you can give us a hint if I don't get it right. Fear of having your kid die. No. This would have been a much better name for a TV show. That is the definition of this word. Does he have another guess? This is fucking hard. It's got to be fear of bones. No. Fear the walking dead. (laughs) Dozen has left. left the building. The kin is from kinetic. Yep. Like kinetic energy. Oh. <laughs> and the mort is the dead, so the, the yeah, all right, all right. dead. <laughs> That's so good. I love language. <laughs> Neil got Damn, man, that one got my goat. Oh, I love a recommendation. So you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Okay. Do it. Uh, this is another one I could talk a lot about. It definitely has its shortcomings. But I also absolutely love this film, Hellions. And I've never seen it. It's basically a haunted trick-or-treaters story. It takes place on a Halloween night, and the, the trick-or-treaters are these spirits of Halloween, and they have really cool mask designs. It's, it takes, it's one part haunting, part Halloween film, all-around good time. There's a really good hook as to why this is happening on Halloween and what's happening. They, they play their cards up front for the most part, but it, it's a worthwhile watch because it's more than just like a rip-roaring Halloween haunt. My recommendation is Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. It's such a classic movie. It encompasses the lighter side of an 80s horror film. So you know where you get like the Return of the Living Dead linear quickly side of the 80s and then you have the pet cemetery sort of side where it's like a karma did you say that's the lighter side i i I don't have a sense of normalcy (laughs) have we not learned this it's comforting well (laughs) (laughs) okay so dark knight the scarecrow is it's just so classic it encompasses everything that is an 80s film but without the cheese. But it's somehow serious, but it's somehow really fun. And it's exactly the way that a revenge movie should be done as well. We've got some of the most beautiful imagery. Even now it still holds up, like the colour tone and everything is all completely autumnal. And it's sort of set around this small village where everyone knows each other and they all celebrate Halloween together and like have their little autumn festivities as a town. Which for like me growing up watching those sort of towns on TV, I was like, I just want to live in one of those small towns where everyone knows each other and everyone celebrates Halloween. But it's it's also got like a, a sort of tragic story to it. But that's what makes the revenge like so good. 
because you're just like, yeah, I want something bad to happen. And it's done in like such a fun way. And it's like the first scarecrow horror film, as far as I'm aware. But also, there needs to be more scarecrow movies. Because scarecrows can be terrifying. And obviously, like, Scary Stories, that does a great job with Scarecrow. But apart from that and Dark Knight of the Scarecrow, I can't think of any other times that, like, a Scarecrow has been done in a genuinely quite terrifying way. I think we've covered as much as we could possibly cover in uh, a podcast simplifying the importance of Halloween. Oh, uh, I do want to recommend two books uh, to everybody out there if you want to know a little bit more of the history of Halloween. There's Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween. Uh, which really gets into the Americanization of Halloween and Death Makes a Holiday, which talks about all the cultural differences in Halloween celebrations. Uh, Those are fantastic, fun reads for anybody who wants to get into a little bit more of the history of this. But for now, thank you guys for tuning into the Hauntsville Cryptcast. I'm Anthony. I'm Doza. I'm Anna. Happy hauntings. See you in hell. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.